Welcome to Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Good morning, Wellspring Church. Let's try that again. It was better than the first service, so shout out to you for that. But let's go again. Good morning, Wellspring Church. Good morning. Wonderful. It is, in truth, a joy to be with you this morning. I had the privilege of standing on this stage just about a year ago, um, and so it's a real privilege that Pastor Tim and Helen and the team have taken the risk on me again. Thank you so much. Um, And massive love to you, Pastor Tim and Helen. Lots of love. Looking in the right camera. Um, God be with you where you are. Um, We have a journey in the Word of God to go on this afternoon. Well, nearly afternoon, morning into afternoon. Um, but before that, I bring you greetings from my church in King's Cross, where I serve as part of the team there. They are just about finishing the first service and about to head into the second one. So greetings from Chris, King's Cross. Um, and also greetings from the Evangelical Alliance, um, in which capacity I stand before you right now. You guys are a member church of the Evangelical Alliance. Um, Tim and Helen serve on our council and on our board. And we are so chuffed to have you along for the, on the journey. So thank you for all you do as members of the Evangelical Alliance. Some of you are individual members of the Evangelical Alliance. More on that to come in a moment. And a massive shout out to you too. For some of you, the past 20 seconds have gone completely over your head. So let me tell you a little bit about who the Evangelical Alliance is. The Evangelical Alliance is the oldest unity organization serving Evangelical Christians in the United Kingdom. We have been going strong since 1846. And yes, I have been a key part of our mission from that date. We have three key strands to our work. They are mission, unity, and advocacy. Number one, mission. We believe that the good news of Jesus Christ is the most important message for every living being to hear. And we long for boys and girls, women and men across this country, for everyone to have an opportunity to hear and respond to this life-giving news. We back the good news of Jesus. We long for everyone to get to know him. Number two, unity. Jesus prays for his church to be one, and we have taken Jesus' prayer and made it our nine to five. We unite churches across different localities, across different demographics, across ethnic lines to come together and be bold in their witness to Jesus. We unite evangelical organizations working to work together. There's so many good things that are happening in God's church, and yet there is such strength when we come together and we don't let the enemy have us work in our empires we come together and serve the kingdom of God and we're very clear about this this is for the kingdom of God in our day and age we can at points make an idol out of unity for the sake of unity just come together have tea and coffee and mediocre snacks that's not what we are about here we are about unity around a center and that center is Jesus that center is his unchanging word even in a fast changing world. That's what we back. We back unity. And more on that, his word in a fast-changing world. There are things that the church does that receive public acclaim. When we open up and have food banks, which is a wonderful thing that churches do, we receive lots of public acclaim. But how many of us know it's not every part of the mission of the church and the message of the church that receives widespread acclaim in our day and age? If you insist on a Christian vision, a flourishing vision around sexuality and identity, 
city. You're not going to get a standing ovation in the market square. But we believe that the whole council of the scriptures is good news for us today. And we back this on the ground. We support churches to do this on the ground. And we also speak up in environments where many in churches don't get into, in corridors of power. Our advocacy team has offices situated across the different parliaments of the United Kingdom. We meet public representatives. We show them the difference that evangelical Christians are making to the life of this nation up and down the country every single day. But we also say this comes from our message. You cannot separate our good deeds from our message. The two things go together. And we work to represent the church so that our gospel freedoms stay free. I've come today to encourage you, keep doing what you're doing. Keep serving Jesus where you're at. Have some resources with me that I'd love to share with you free of charge. And there's a table downstairs. We've got a bit of a stall. If you, there's one in particular, living for Jesus at work. Many of us will know what it is to enjoy Jesus in this environment and not know how to translate the glory of this time to our colleagues tomorrow morning and in the week to come. We have devoted ourselves to equipping people to be Christians practically on the ground, not just saying glory, hallelujah in church, but live lives of hallelujah in the workplace. We'd love to share this with you if this would be of service to you. And we'd also love to invite you to consider becoming an individual member of the Evangelical Alliance for three pounds a month, you get yourself this wee key ring that you can use to pop into a trolley at Tesco or your supermarket of choice and get your groceries. But alongside that, you lend your voice to thousands of other individuals around this country who are standing up and being counted in the moments that matter over key decisions that matter. When we go to public representatives, some of our strength is to say, these are the churches, these are the organizations, these are the individuals that are standing with us. We might not represent popular opinion, but you can't ignore us because we are your constituents. We are living and working in the different environments. You need to represent us too. So I'd love to invite you to consider becoming a member of the Evangelical Alliance. But now I've asked you to do something, and I've got a booklet that can give you more information. I'll show you that at the end of the service. But I'd love to, in the spirit of generosity, not just ask you to give something to the Evangelical Alliance, but also to give you something. Now this book is called Unleashed. It was written by our CEO, Gavin Calvert, and his wife, and it's all about becoming the Axe Church today. For everyone who signs up to be a member of the Evangelical Alliance, you receive this book in the membership pack that we send to you. But in this moment, no strings attached, I want to bless this book with someone, to someone. So if you're interested, you can holler at me with a show of hands, and I'll work out like, like a shot of lightning. Okay, I hope this building is like risk assessed and whatnot, because I'm about to chuck this bad boy and heads up to everyone around her. Jesus, <laughs> amen, amen, broadly in the vicinity. Um, but yes, for three pounds a month, you can all get a copy of that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining with us. Do consider becoming individual members today. Amen, yeah. amen. Now, continuing on with our series, as Pastor Tim started it two weeks ago, we are looking at what it is to know home in God and for God to know home in us. Our big idea in this is that where God dwells, hope lives. And we want to make our lives, our bodies, ourselves 
fully open residences to the living God. And we had Pastor Tim talk us through the armchair, this place of home, this place of being settled, this place of being at ease, that this is the reality that we are invited into as human beings, but it's not the reality that we live in this fallen world. Yet Jesus has come and made it possible for us to know union with God in the armchair, but the way to the armchair is through an altar. And today we're going to look at what it is to sacrifice to God in the place of our emotions, in the place of our emotions. And so I'm going to pray for us real quick before we dive into the world, and then we're going to get to this. Amen? Amen. Amen. So thank you, Lord, that you are here by your spirit. Thank you for all that you have been doing as we have been meeting. Thank you that you are a God who is alive today. Thank you that you are a God who is yet speaking. And I pray in Jesus' name that we would be those who are receptive to the word that you have for us today. Father, I pray that as your word comes, that it would also come with a grace for us to not just be hearers of the word, but to be doers also. Take authority over everything that would seek to distract us from the life that God is giving giving us today in his word. We receive the fullness of what you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'd like to invite you to a certain day in my life. The day is the 14th of October, 2019. I am at my church, King's Cross Church, and at this point, I'm doing a discipleship year at church. And in the midst of that day, I get a phone call from my daddy, and I pick up my phone call from my daddy. And by the end of that conversation, it's not a particularly long one, but by the end of the conversation, I have booked the very first flight home to Ireland for the next morning. Ireland is where I was raised. is where my parents and a lot of my family live. Now, what was going going down? Is this a family emergency? It's not quite a family emergency, but it is big news. You see, the general overseer of the redeemed Christian church of God was coming to my home. Redeemed Christian Church of God, general overseer coming to my home. Now I face before me a sea of blank faces. So let me tell you a thing or two about the general overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. The Redeemed Christian Church of God is a Nigerian Pentecostal church. Now you guys at Wellspring, you're part of the Assemblies of God, a network of Pentecostal churches. So you know a thing or two about Pentecostalism. And RCCG is Pentecostal but Nigerian style, okay? (laughs) So that's what the Redeemed Christian Church of God is. It's been going for 60 plus years at the moment. And in that time and under the current general overseer, it's gone from strength to strength. It has um, a presence in nearly every country on the face of the earth, has a followership in the millions. And the general overseer has a commission from God to go to different territories and assemble believers there to contend for those territories, to seek for revival. I have seen the general overseer in gatherings of over a million people. The RCCG hosts a prayer gathering in in between Lagos and Abadan in Nigeria that hosts upwards of a million people on the first Friday of every month to pray. Get your mind around that. It's something else. I've seen the GEO speak to thousands both in Ireland and in the United Kingdom. This is a big deal. Again, for everyone who doesn't fully get what's going on, the Pope is coming to my home the Pope. And I said to myself, ain't no way I'm going to be content for these people to just describe this to me after the fact. I want to be there 
by myself. I want to see him in my house with my two eyes. Now, I'm doing a discipleship year. I'm not flowing in cash money. So I'm like, Daddy, any chance you could help your favorite daughter out and hook her up with some flight tickets? And my dad himself is overcome with the rush of the moment. So he books them, we're on. I leave church for the day. I go home. I pack my bags. I get as much sleep as I can manage under the circumstances. I'm up at the crack of dawn, and I begin making the journey home. We go through all the rigmarole of airport travel, and I finally arrive home. I'm about to step into the house. As I open the door, what I am met with is nothing short of an excited frenzy. There is action in every direction, and everything that can be cleaned is currently being cleaned. Cupboards that haven't been used for years are being turned inside out. Why? Because the geo is coming through. We're all buzz, buzz, buzz. I'm looking out the window, seeing if the convoy has come through. Another tidbit of detail, my parents are senior leaders in the Redeemed Christian Church of God in Ireland. So this is some of what's happening. The geo is going on home visits for some key figures, which is a really sweet thing for a man of his stature to do. Looking out the window. And then finally, we get a phone call 10 minutes out. The convoy is 10 minutes out. Avengers assemble. Everyone go to your duty post. Calm down, calm down, calm down. Remember how to be normal, but also you can't be normal because the geo is coming in less than 10 minutes. Cool, 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 cool. So we see him approaching and he gets out of the car and he makes his way up the drive. He crosses the threshold of our house, you guys. He comes into our home. He goes to the sitting room, the best kept room in the house for sure. And he's sitting down on sofas that I have sat on many times in my life. But now the general overseer is sitting down in our sitting room. Room. He's there with his wife. And this is a day of our lives being turned on their heads, a day of utter pandemonium and excitement. Do you want to know how long the visit lasted for? <laughs> a bit more than that, praise God. Approximately 12 minutes. <laughs> a day of disruption for 12 minutes. But every second of those 12 minutes is etched into my brain. It was utterly surreal. Now what we come to, Wellspring Church, as we consider God living in us is something of greater significance by miles than the general overseer of the redeemed Christian Church of God coming to visit my family. What we are considering in this moment is for the king of glory, the ancient of days, the I am that I am, that he sees it fit to come and reside in us. Now I mentioned about the 12 minute visit and part of me was a bit disappointed that it had only lasted 12 minutes. Like I thought we'd you know, get to know each other, have some chit chat, what's going on? Um, but then as I pondered it further, I realized that he had done us a world of favor in only staying for 12 minutes. And why is that? You see, there's only so long that you can put your best foot forward as a family. And we were doing an exceptional job. But if he had stayed for a meal or he'd stayed a night or he'd stayed a few nights, you know, after a while, the cracks are going to show. It's just the way things are. After a while, there's going to be some skid marks in the toilet. It's just the way things are. After a while, there's going to be dust and cobwebs in certain regions. This is just the way things are. And so as intense as it was, it was just as well that he'd only stayed for a moment. But yet with the king of glory, he comes not just to visit us momentarily. He comes to reside, to make a home inside of us. 
He has the time. He has the desire to fit the largeness of who he is into the smallness of our frame. This is the glory that we are uncovering in this time. But just as it turned our world on their head to host the G.O. for 12 minutes, best believe it's going to turn your world on your head to host the King of Glory. There's going to be some disruption. It's no longer business as usual. Things are going to need to shift. Things are going to need to change. And some of the nuance of how this works with the King of Glory, with the spirit of the living God, is that he's not content to be entertained by your best footfall forward. He's not going to sit politely in your sitting room, watch you give him refreshments and just content himself in that space. He wants access to all areas. He wants access to all areas. And this is the best news that God himself would be content to be inside of us, to bring us hope, to bring us new life. But best believe it comes with discomfort. Best believe it comes at a cost. And that cost, that sacrifice is what we seek to understand today as we uncover what it is to sacrifice to the Lord in the place of our emotions. Now, two weeks ago, uh, to extend this analogy further, I would say that we were in the kitchen and the bedroom. So two weeks ago, we looked at what it was to host the Lord in our bodies, and we looked a little bit at what it is to do that well when it comes to our eating and how we, um, what our habits are around food. And we also looked at what this means when it comes to our sexuality, our desires for intimacy, our desires for pleasure. Today, the part of the house that we're in is open to you. You can work out where we are in this moment. Where is it that you go when you are overcome with joy? You hear some news or something happens and you can't sit still. Is it that you do laps in the garden? Is it that you run, jump up and down on your bed? I don't advise that, but you do you. But what is it that you do when you're overcome with joy? Similarly, where do you go when you hear news that knocks you for six, news that you weren't expecting, that you weren't anticipating, you as a church family know exactly what I'm talking about right now. News that you hear that fully changes reality. The world was one way before you have this conversation and after it you know that your life will never be the same again. Do you sit on the kitchen floor with a tub of ice cream? Do you go under the duvet of your bedroom? It is that space that is a place of encounter in this time. What does it look like for us to bring the fullness of our emotional life before the living God as a sacrifice that we might enjoy intimacy and union with him in our lives? Because where God dwells, hope lives. Amen? That's the journey that we're on in this time. And now how we're going to do this is that we're going to make use of the Psalms. So the Psalms are the songbook of scripture. And what is helpful about songs is that they help us express what's on the inside. Those, the writers of the psalm, the many varied writers of the psalms, invite us into their emotional lives with the King of Glory, with Yahweh of Israel. And we're going to take a few notes from them. We're also going to take a few notes from a man called Walter Brueggemann. Can you try that with me? 
Walter Brueggemann, indeed. Now, Walter Brueggemann is an Old Testament scholar, and he applies a certain framework to the Psalms that I believe will be of use to us today. His framework is this. He says that all the Psalms, or more or less all of the Psalms, fall into one of three categories, and these are the categories. One, orientation. Two, disorientation. Three, reorientation. There are Psalms orientation, disorientation, reorientation. And so we're going to look at examples in each category, work out what the basic meaning of this psalm is, and also what the sacrifice that God is seeking, the sacrifice that would honor God is in each of these spaces. Is that clear? Wonderful. With that, we proceed. Follow me if you can and are willing, or you can listen along as I read from Psalm 100. Psalm 100, an example of a psalm of orientation. Shout with joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? For the Lord is good. Can I get anyone who agrees with me? For the Lord is good. Hallelujah. His unfailing love continues until next week. No, forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Praise the Lord. In this psalm, we have an example of what it is to root your life in the praise and worship of the God of Israel. That's what orientation looks like. It looks like basing yourself, pitching your tent, laying the foundation of your home in the foundational truths of scripture. And this psalm shows us some of those truths that regardless of the forecast for the day, either externally in terms of the weather or internally in terms of your internal state, that the truth over our lives is that the Lord is is God. As we experience isolation and joy and belonging and, and death and loneliness, he made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. In the place of orientation, we speak to our souls. We speak to ourselves. We tell ourselves, this is what we're going to believe today. At the start of the day, I spend time with the Lord to root myself in his truth. This is the main truth that governs my life. Regardless of what's facing me, this is how I'm rooting myself. And the sacrifice in the place of orientation comes from recognizing that rooting ourselves in the truth of God is a choice. It's 
a choice. Even if you are filled with the Spirit of God, with the evidence of speaking in tongues, to root yourself in these truths is a choice. Why? Because there are many different options that are given to you on what to base yourself in as you go through day to day. There are many different options that are given to you when you get a new job and you're trying to work out what the vibe is going to be. There are vibes of self-sufficiency or anxiety or worry. And yet in the place of orientation, we say, do you know what? As I face this new endeavor, as I face this new day, the most important truth is the truth of who God is and who I am in him. This is where we speak to ourselves and we come under the authority of who God is and what his word says. We bring to the Lord a sacrifice of praise in the place of orientation. And we can be quite familiar with what it is to bring a sacrifice of praise as we well should be. But when we move to disorientation, however, we are considering what it is to give to the Lord a sacrifice of pain. Hear these words from Psalm 88. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out to you by day. I come to you at night. Now hear my prayer and listen to my cry, for my life is full of troubles and death draws near. I am as good as dead, like a strong man with no strength left. They have left me among the dead, and I lie like a corpse in a grave. I am forgotten, cut off from your care. You have thrown me into the lowest pit, into the darkest depths. Your anger weighs me down. With wave after wave, you have engulfed me. These words aren't pretty. I don't anticipate you'll find them in any trending worship song anytime soon. But they are real, they are raw, and they are found nearly in the center of the scriptures. Think about that. Nearly in the center of the scriptures. How does it make you feel to hear these words? You see, with my Old Testament and New Testament lens on, I can look at this passage and say, do you know what? I don't think this is telling the full story about who, he, who God is and what he's done and how he works. But what they are doing is that they are really and genuinely reflecting where Ethan the Ezraite, as we see in verse zero, this is the person who has written this, um, where he's at in life. And God takes these not particularly theologically correct words and receives them as worship. Doesn't tolerate them, doesn't seek to brush them aside. They are placed in the center of the scriptures so that you and I can know that when Pooh has hit the fan, we can bring that to the Lord. Do you know it takes courage? Pentecostal Christians, it takes real courage to meet with God in the place of utter desolation and pain, to actually face up that we are utterly disappointed with him, that we didn't think this is how our tithe paying and how our missional endeavors and how our serving in church was going to end up. 
Like we didn't think that we'd find ourselves as a church contending for breakthrough over one of our key leaders that has been so used of God for us that we didn't see this coming. Say, God, why? How? We've just sang of your power and your glory. What are you doing now? It's not comfortable to meet with God in this place. But it is worship, and it is essential. People of God, the Holy Spirit wants access, yes, to the best of us, but also to the worst of us. And we will not know the fullness of the hope of our God if we can't be real about the hopelessness that sometimes threatens to drown us. This is put in the Bible to give us language when we can't think of the words ourselves. To enable our inner being to pray when prayer feels like the last thing to do. Let's not just be those who lift up a sacrifice of praise. Let's also be those who have the integrity to lift up a sacrifice of pain. And in particular, in this moment, as you deal with this collective pain as a church family, but also the many unspoken hurts that you are each carrying that have been part of your journeys, can we be those who give each other time to grieve? Who don't just rush in with Christian platitudes? Yes, we're going to get to the next stage, but can we be those who weep with each other? Can we be those who are silent when the situation just doesn't have words to cover it? Can we do that? This is part of the invitation to authentic community, not to brush past the pain, not to plaster on a hallelujah. The Holy Spirit is inviting each of us to meet him in the place of pain. The sacrifice there is that it is uncomfortable, that it messes with our theological categories, that we get scared of what will happen where we go there with God. But the reward is life. You see, the trauma that we experience, it's utterly tragic, but there is a greater tragedy than even the trauma that we experience. And it is this, it is the giving a foothold to the evil one in our pain. You know that while you're reeling from the worst thing that has happened, there is an enemy who is seeking to jump on top of that pain. It's disgusting, I know, but it is real. And if we are not those who can come before God in the midst of our pain, who can speak out to him what's really going on with us, if we shy away from him and rather than bringing it to him, we try and sort it out ourselves, the enemy will hop on top of that. He will make it a place of his own enthronement in our lives. Don't do that. Don't give an altar to the evil one in your pain. Bring your pain to God. He can handle it. He's big enough for it. There is nothing that is new to him under the sun. He has lived through every age. He knows the cries of his people. He captures each one in a bottle as we find in the Psalms. God is not scared of your pain. Bring it to him. These psalms show us what it is to be real with God. And yet, as we've said, pain itself is a vulnerable, fragile state. We need to be aware that God wants to redeem it and also that the enemy wants to distort it. And the eventual end of our journeys of pain is reorientation 
Now, as we move on, I'm moving on quickly for the sake of the sermon. I am by no means suggesting that we move on quickly from the place of disorientation. We take the time with the Father that we need to take. But as resurrection people, disorientation is not the end of our story. Let's see an example of reorientation in the Psalms. This time, Psalm 73. Hear these words now from Asaph. Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. Plot twist. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone, for I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. They seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. We're not quite at reorientation. We're still in disorientation, right? This is that place of being real and being raw. But there is a movement. Watch this, verse 21. Then I realized that my heart was bitter and I was all torn up inside. I was so foolish and ignorant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. And yet in the midst of it, I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail and my spirit may grow weak. But God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. Wellspring Church, your health may fail, and there will be times when your spirit goes weak, but God, but God, but God, he remains the strength of your heart. When circumstances come and you don't know what's going on, but God. When the diagnosis doesn't make sense, but God. When you're seeing too many zeros and not enough numbers in front of your bank balance, but God, but God, but God. We are resurrection people. We experience pain, but our story does not end in pain. Pain does not have the final word. Death does not have the final word. Even cancer doesn't have the final word. Jesus is victorious. Jesus is alive. And his life and his resurrection is the baseline for our lives. The sacrifice in this place is to come back to the place of praise. Don't rush it, but best believe that's our destination. In all seasons, in all circumstances, we are a people of praise. Wellspring Church, we are being invited in this series, and in particular in this moment, of your collective story and your individual stories to host the King of Glory. It is an exceptional privilege. It is life as life was meant to be. It is what makes meaning of every situation and every circumstance. 
but we need to heed the invitation of the Spirit, not just to sing beautiful songs and yet leave the truth of God to the side when we're in the thick of it in life. The truth of God is good enough for our gathered moments of worship, and it is good enough for the moments of our deepest pain and isolation. God is worthy to be praised even in the midst of our suffering, and he's worthy to be remembered in the midst of our testimonies. Let's not just be those who contend for things and don't come back to give him thanks. We root ourselves again and again and again in who he is and what he's done. God isn't coming for a nice shiny display. He's coming for the real and the raw. Will we be those who give him everything? Our joy, our apathy, our despair. Will we be those who worship genuinely in spirit and in truth? That is the invitation for this time. There's an invitation before us. And now in this moment, I'd love to invite us all to respond. If you are physically able to and willing to, I'd love to invite you to stand as we come to respond to God's word. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm aware that a few things may have been churned up for each of us in this moment. Our God is so tender, he's so gentle, but he's so insistent on leading us into the fullness of life. So I'd love to invite you to just meet with God in the things that have come to your mind as we've gone through this time in his words, the situations that have come to mind. Obviously, we are contending for breakthrough with Pastor Helen, but also there are things in your life. What's come to mind? Can you put, bring that before the Lord? When you've not remembered him in your moments of joy, can you say sorry? When you've run to an idol, to a cheap fix in your moments of deep pain, can you turn back to him? Can you thank him for being with you? Can you say to him how you're doing right now, where you're frustrated, where you're in pain? Lord, we meet you. We meet you in our emotions. We bring them before you. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to pray for all of us, and in particular for my brothers and sisters, aunties and uncle in the Wellspring Church family. Father, I pray that right now you would bestow upon them the grace to meet with you in every emotion that they experience. Father, I pray that they would be those who remember you when the sun is shining and those who cling to you when the rain is pouring down. Father, I pray that you would make them those who run away from idols, who run away from cheap fixes, who run away from comfort that is not itself comfort, that is itself a trap. Lord, that you would enable them to be those who come to you in every season. I pray a blessing upon this community that they would be those who walk with each other genuinely through the different situations of life, who don't rush in with Christian platitudes but who always hold on to Christian hope, that they would rejoice with those who rejoice, that they would mourn with those who mourn, 
even when those things are happening at the exact same time. Bless this community, God. Thank you for all you've been doing in them. Thank you for what you're doing right now. Even when they don't see it, you are working, but they hold on to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or joining us on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. in person and online.